Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here. Today's episode, we're going to cover something that I don't think enough people are talking about. And at the same time, I feel like it's all over my Instagram and my internet, but I know everyone's internet and experience online is different and it really depends kind of what the algorithm decides it is time for you to see. And it's so funny. I don't know about you guys. This would be actually hilarious to hear from you. Uh, So if you want to slide in my DMs and talk to me about it, but I find that my algorithm on Instagram especially is so like volatile. Like I will literally watch something once or twice or like it or comment on it or just watch till the end. And all of a sudden my feed will start populating with these different things. And Uh, My friends and I actually would joke about what our feeds look like at that time and place. And, you know, when I'm struggling with sleep with my kids, all of a sudden it'll be like all sleep all the time, like everything related to how to get your kids to sleep. Or if I'm maybe like I had back to the gym recently and started doing yoga more often. And all of a sudden now my entire feed is like yoga poses and yoga tips and tricks, but even just like videos of people doing yoga in cool places. Uh, a while back, my entire feed was stand-up comedy bits. And that was something that I tried to keep going forever. I was like, keep liking these, keep commenting on them, keep sharing them in my feed or whatever it was, because I loved it. I loved signing on Instagram and seeing just like stand-up comedy, like after stand-up comedy, after stand-up comedy. Uh, my friends and I joke, I am not a concert person by any means, but I love going to a live stand-up comedy show. And you know, it's just interesting what the algorithm decides, or I would love to like get a peek into that brain and see why I no longer see stand-up comedy. I still like it. I still comment. I still share it or watch the whole thing. And yet all of a sudden my algorithm's like, no, this is not what you need in your life right now. And you know, it's just so wild. And the internet, sorry, this is like a total tangent, but the internet is so wild because for a while I was like stand-up comedy, but then also these like really sad stories about babies or kids, you know, getting cancer or whatever it might be. And I, you know, that's like my anxious brain watching these things of like, could this happen to me? Oh my goodness. This is so scary. This is so wild. This is so heartbreaking, like whatever, right? Like it intrigues us and and we want to watch it a to like support that person and pray for them or think about them and, and support them on their journey, however we can. But then also to like, maybe somehow watching this will mean it won't happen to me or I don't even know what the psychology is there or maybe it's the opposite. I saw someone talking about like her OCD thoughts and how watching things on TikTok or if something came up on TikTok, she would think, oh, this is a sign from the universe that this is going to happen to me and prepare myself. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now I have OCD. Like there's so many different levels of the internet trying to tell me who I am. Anyways, one of the things that I feel like has been a constant in my theme um, or feed, I should say, and really because of who I follow online and what I tend to pay attention to and read about is this idea of the mental load. And I, it's been so helpful to learn about this phenomenon. I don't know what you call it, this thing in the world called the mental load that I don't know that uh, past generations really talked about all too much. Maybe they were trying to describe it or, you know, shared it, but the internet 
wasn't necessarily available to spread it far and wide. And I feel like now people talk a lot about this idea of the mental load. And it's been so helpful for me to be able to verbalize and understand some of the thoughts or feelings I might be having kind of in the undertones or subtext of our life able to communicate that to my husband and be like, Hey, this is what's going on. (laughs) This is what's going on below the surface that I hadn't previously been able to explain to him if, if you will. So if you're brand new to the idea of mental load, if this is a new theory for you or a new concept for you, there's not really an official term or terminology for it. I mean, a lot of people try to define it, but essentially it's that cognitive effort uh, behind the managing of our daily life, relationships, experiences, the household, all of these sorts of things. So it's kind of that underlining invisible work that happens so that everything in your real life actually happens. I, I hope that's making sense. But essentially, you know, let's say there's a birthday party that you're going to. It's the thought process behind going to that birthday party. Okay, I have to change the nap schedule. I have to go get a birthday present. Do we have anything at home already uh, that, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'll like pre-buy gifts and keep them in a gift closet to uh, save myself some time and energy later for a birthday party. But so for, for example, you would is there anything in my gift closet I could already use? Do I have to go to the store? When can I go to the store? I'll go tonight after the babies are in bed. You know, when my husband stays home, I'll go pick up a present and then I'll wrap it. Do we have enough wrapping paper? Where's the tape? Where do we keep the tape? Is it in the right place? Oh, the kids were playing with this afternoon. Like it's all these thought processes that happen in order to get a present wrapped, ready to go. Do I need to text the host and ask if I need to bring anything? Okay, I'm going to bring, you know, drinks or whatever it might be to the party do we already have enough drinks from the last party? Do I have to go get more drinks? What kind of drinks? Who's going to be at the party? Who's the primary? You know, obviously it's kids, so they're going to want probably juice boxes or something kind of fun, uh, maybe sparkling water, something like that. It might have been a different thing if it was a different type of party. You just have to like think through these things and then decide and write it down on, you know, your phone or a notes app or whatever it may be. And then you go to the store and actually buy the thing. And then you have the present. Okay, we need to wrap it before we actually get in the car or you do like a wrap job on the way, which is recently <laughs> we've been doing it? What time do we need to leave? Which means what time do we need to be all dressed by? And what time does the kid have or the baby have to be awake in order to nurse first and then be able to get in the car and be happy and not grumpy so that we can get to the birthday party, right? Like it's all this underlining or underlying uh, thought process that's behind doing the actual dang thing, right? And my husband is so sweet in so many ways. He doesn't have that. Like he literally does not have that. Uh, Definitely not in the same capacity I do. Now we tend to balance each other out because he tells me and I agree that I tend to overanalyze or overthink this and overplan it where then it just becomes really stressful to do anything. And that's not fun either. And so it's actually been a really good balance of us figuring this out, but also being able to use this terminology because he would say things like, oh, it'll all work out. And I would go, ah, it only works out because I work it out. Like I think through all these things and you can only have the privilege of saying it will all work out because you have a wife who comes behind you and like works it all out. Right. And his argument is, well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, it will all work out because it will happen. We will get to the birthday party, even if we're late and we have to stop and get a birthday present. Like it may not be this picture perfect synchronized event that you have in your head, but it will get done. Right. And so there's some compromise there and some conversations that need to be having. And I, I've had this conversation with endless friends and family members and with even some of you online that this is pretty 
typical in different relationships. One or the other of you has more of that mental load and that cognizant kind of belief or process of planning in your head, whether or not you're sharing that out loud and the other one doesn't as much. And sometimes it can feel like the person carrying that mental load, if that if the if you're the person carrying that mental load, you might think, oh, the other person is only enjoying their life because I do everything behind the scenes, right? And that's how I felt for years. And this idea of the mental load came up for me online and I started to recognize and realize this is what I'm talking about. This is the heaviness of the work that has to get done and, and I need to be able to share this because it was so exhausting for not only birthday parties, but it's also relationships, right? How long has it been since we texted that person? They invited us over to their house last time. We should invite them to our house. Should we, you know, we said no to their invitation out to dinner since before the baby was born. We need to set up a new, you know, time to go out to dinner because we want to foster and create this relationship and continue it. And, you know, maybe it's a birthday and we have to remember to text or FaceTime on their birthday to say happy birthday, or maybe it's, you know, just, Hey, you know, last time we talked to them, they were in a really dark place or their husband was having surgery and we need to, we should message them and see how things are going or send a card or whatever it might be. You know, it's, it's also about fostering relationships as a couple, as a family, also as of course, an individual. Um, my husband is notorious for also not like responding to text messages of his own friends and family where I'm like, Hey, maybe you should text that friend of yours and go try to grab a beer and hang out, you know, like almost have to manage it for him. I don't have to, let me clarify my words. However, I want to, I want him to have these good relationships and I want him to put in the work and effort that I know it takes to foster those relationships. And sometimes that can feel heavy on me. Whereas he goes, Hey, you don't have to manage this, right? You don't have to, but to me, it feels like I have to, right? And so it's that idea of the mental load, the invisible load that is carried by typically one or the other person in the relationship, or in a lot of ways, you know, mine and my husband's relationship, he carries a mental load for things that I don't even think about and didn't even realize, right? So for a long time, uh, for those of you who don't know, he recently quit his job and came to work with me full-time and is now co-running this business with me. But before that, you know, he, he really had the mental load of, you know, uh, handling the family financially, like not even just paying bills and things like that, but also bringing in enough money so that we could live our lifestyle that we had. And that is something that I really took for granted and didn't really even think about. I mean, outside of paying the bills, um, that is a mental load in and of itself. Mama, I see you. You're tired of making different meals and crossing your fingers that tonight might be the night where they actually try those veggies. You're so tired of putting things on the plate just to watch them not get touched. Maybe you're even feeling stuck in a never-ending cycle of bribing, begging, bargaining to get your little one to eat. Maybe you feel like they wouldn't eat anything unless you count down their bites or even feed it to them. I bet you're even worried that they're just not getting enough and certainly not enough of the things that you know that they need. You're not sure that they're reaching their full potential living off pizza and goldfish crumbs. You're ready for a change or else you might just throw in the towel altogether. Maybe you're feeling like you're at your wit's end with picky eating and feeling like nothing will work. You need a plan to finally beat picky eating and get back to enjoying meals again. If this sounds anything like you, then this program was literally made for you. Table Talk is the picky eating program that works. It's the program that teaches you to be your own feeding expert because at the end of the day, you know your child best. And feeding kids shouldn't be this hard. Picky eating can take over your life, feeling like every meal is worse than the last. It's time to reclaim your kitchen and 
actually start enjoying meals together. Table Talk is a targeted program that teaches you the strategies and methods that kick picky eating to the curb for good. Take it from Lola, who's a mom of a little one who she was ready just to throw in the towel altogether about picky eating, but then she took Table Talk and at the end she said, since taking Table Talk, my daughter's foods, likes and loves is over a hundred. Can you imagine what it would be like for your little one to like or love over a hundred foods? Throughout the Table Talk program, you'll learn how to get them to eat more variety and new foods, make sure that they're eating the right amount, and finally have peaceful meals again as a family. You'll learn how to stop pressuring them to eat and what to do to encourage them without pressuring. Plus, you will feel confident at the table knowing that everything you're doing is leading to raising a healthy, happy, and independent eater. All right, you can click the link in the description box below to enroll in Table Talk today. And when you do that, you will also get my Demystifying Desserts mini course completely for free. This course teaches you how to take desserts off the pedestal and put them back where they belong and end the obsession with sugar. All right, click the link in the description box below to get started today. All this to say, you know, this is a big conversation. And today I wanted to talk about the mental load of grocery shopping and feeding your family because, and this is still to this day, something that I tell Josh is probably the heaviest mental load on typically one parent. It's not always just one parent. Of course, you can share this responsibility, but I think we typically overestimate uh, how adept we are to it or how part of it, it, of our life it already is that we tend to underestimate how much work actually goes into it and underestimate the depth of the mental load that it takes on you, the the stress levels that it takes on us to feed our family. And I think the, about this all the time. This is one of the questions I will ask God when I get to heaven. Why do humans have to eat so much? Like why, if I was designing humans once a week, maybe a few times a week, maybe even once a day wouldn't be so bad. But the idea that we have to have three meals a day plus snacks is wild to me, especially for children, right? And I know some of you might argue with me that you only really have to eat one big meal or two big meals or something like that. But in general, we can agree that humans generally have to eat multiple times per day. And it is a lot of work to really take care of and nourish not only ourselves, but then when it comes to kids on top of it. And it's very likely that we are underestimating the magnitude of this job because it just fell on us at one point or we took over whatever it might be. And this is just life now. But we oftentimes don't step back and realize like, wow, this is a really big task because it's, we typically think, like what it is, is just deciding what to make, buying the ingredients and making it right. Like on the surface level, it shouldn't be that hard. It's simple. It's three steps. When in reality, the actual invisible load, the mental load of making meals includes assessing what you already have in your home, right? Keeping track of food inventory. Has this gone bad? Has that gone bad? Can we use that? Whatever that might be, throwing away or using or even replacing expired foods, Uh, maybe researching, finding, organizing, keeping track of different recipes that you and your family enjoy, remembering your family members' food preferences, right? This includes, hi, hello, picky eaters, uh, what they're willing to eat, and that changes all the time, as we probably know. Coordinating meals with family plans and activities, you know, whether it's soccer or swimming or practice, or you're having these people over, those people over, you're going out of town. Like we're literally going out of town this weekend. And I'm like, okay, 
I want to go grocery shopping because we're sparse in certain areas, but I also need to be mindful not to buy too much because we're about to go out of town. I don't want anything to go bad and we don't have a ton of room in our freezer, right? And so I'm assessing how much room do we have in our freezer to put things in our freezer that so they don't go bad while we're gone. It's all these sorts of things, deciding, of course, what meals to make, scrolling the internet, trying to figure out what sounds good, what do we have most ingredients for, what can we make that we found on Pinterest or whatever that doesn't require a thousand new ingredients that we're probably never going to touch again, plus balancing the budget and keeping an eye on the prices. Food prices are insane right now. I remember at one point our eggs were like $12 for one dozen. I was like, holy heck, no way. We're no longer having eggs for breakfast almost every morning. We're going to go with oatmeal, right? And so now the egg prices have come down a little bit, but it's still keeping an eye on those prices. Uh, Maybe it's throwing parties, entertaining who's coming over, when they're coming over. Are they going to be expected to be fed an entire meal, just snacks? Maybe you like to do play dates that tend to overrun into lunch or dinner or snack or whatever it might be. And you want to be be prepared for that. That's oftentimes our story. I always think play dates are going to be an hour or two and then they're always way longer, which I love. But I also want to make sure I have enough food to, you know, keep them hanging out at our house for longer. Uh, Maybe you need to measure out how much food is needed to support the size of your family, especially if there's guests coming over. And that's not just kind of common knowledge at this point. We need to actually physically make the grocery list on our phone or pen and paper if you're more like me. Uh, We need to go buy the groceries, like do the actual thing of buying groceries. And oh, don't forget to use the reusable bags and bring the reusable bags into the store. Uh, Maybe we need to figure out where to go grocery shopping. Growing up, my mom went to several different stores to get the best prices. So it's about managing and thinking through who has the best prices on dairy products, who has the best prices on bread products, who has the best prices on maybe deli meat or produce or whatever it might be. And maybe you're going through multiple stores to, again, appease your budget. Maybe we need to figure out how to store and organize the food so that we use what we buy and we don't waste it. We need to move or rotate that food as needed, take it in and out of the freezer to thaw or to put away for later. We need to actually physically cook the food. Do we have the right pots, the right pans? Oh, that spoon. Like I just had a spoon melt the other day. Oh, I was so frustrated. And now I don't have a spoon and I try to be generally pretty minimalistic in my kitchen. So I only have one spoon like that. And now I have to go get another one, right? We have to store the leftovers properly, being able to rotate through them, actually eat them. We need to clean the dishes, all of these things on top of like avoiding burnout and exhaustion and guilt for what is actually coming on the plate. How often we take out our leftovers or, uh, you know, mac and cheese or grilled cheese or whatever our kid's favorite meal is, right? Like there's so much that goes into the feeding of the family. So I hope that didn't overwhelm you. I hope that empowered you to recognize that if you are feeling burnt out, if you are feeling exhausted with being the sole or primary task owner of feeding the family, that you recognize, oh, it's a heck of a lot more than just deciding what to make, going to the grocery store and making it, right? And there's so much that goes into that. And this is likely why it's causing some low-level chronic stress in our life, right? Because There's a quote out there that says something along the lines of like, no one told me that the hardest part of being a parent is figuring out what to cook for dinner every night for the rest of your life, right? And I would add on to that, not only dinner, but breakfast and lunch and snacks. Lunch is by far my hardest one. I always get like super just disorganized and all of a sudden lunch is upon me and I need to make something and I don't have time to cook something. So I want to make something cold or do leftovers or whatever. My kids are probably bored of it. Right. And so there's a lot of ways that we can mitigate this, uh, mental load of 
feeding our family, right? Oh, and by the way, quick caveat here. This isn't even including families with like food allergies, not to mention multiple food allergies that don't overlap between the children, right? Gosh, that's like a whole nother level of mental load. And so I think I have sufficiently stressed you out enough to tell you that there are ways to mitigate this mental load, this stress for feeding your family. So number one is meal planning. I cannot recommend this enough. I know, and I was never a meal planner. I didn't want to be a meal planner, but I cannot tell you how much this changed for me and for our family for me to meal plan. And I don't go according to the plan 100% of the time. In fact, I would say if I'm hitting it 80% of the time, we're doing something right. Uh, So, but it just having something on paper, something to what I like to say fall back on, Um, so that I know I have the ingredients in my fridge, my pantry, my freezer, whatever it is. I know what I could make unless something else comes up. And sometimes something else comes up. Maybe we, you know, decide to do a family trip to Costco and we want to eat at Costco, or maybe we got invited over to my parents. So we're going to go eat over at my parents or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Whatever comes up, comes up. Or if I'm not feeling that recipe that night, I can quickly switch it, but I still have those ingredients for later. So meal planning is one of the best things that we did for my family. Um, on top of that, any sort of prep work. And this is not, if you guys have been following my Instagram for a while, I did like a big prep where I tried just for, I think I did two weeks, maybe three of big Sunday prep days where I prepped everything, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks for almost every night of the week um, or every day of the week and just heated it up or, you know, put it in the oven and when it was time or whatever. And that was way too much work. I basically used my entire Sunday. I I didn't love it. Um, But there are still ways and, and methods that you can use to prep to get ahead of your work for the week, which is so huge. And of course, simplifying the system. I think all of us tend to overcomplicate, at least from what I've seen, overcomplicate it and make it out to be this big thing and actually have an entire rant on Pinterest and how toxic it can be. Because I think we tend to think that all of our meals need to look amazing and five-star quality and all have to be Pinterest meals. And we have to have every ingredient that Pinterest calls for. And if we don't have something, we can't just omit it. We we can't make it at all. We have to run to the store or whatever it might be. So really starting to recognize that we need to uh, simplify our process and, and keep our expectations at just really creating a good system for our family and keeping in mind what's important to us. What are our energy levels? What are our family plans and schedules and rhythms and routines? And what's most important is a home cooked family dinner that we all sit down and eat that's new all the time important to us? Or is it more important for us to have our activities and friends over and family over and we're going to have grilled cheese all the time? Or is it more important for us to maybe save money on groceries? So we're having bean and cheese quesadillas, you know, more often than we might like. Whatever the value and the most important things are to you, just figuring out what those are in your family around food, but also just in your family. And then you kind of pepper in or or feed in what makes sense for meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, based on that. I want to hop in real quick and take a second to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Dino Bars. Dino Bars are all organic fruit and vegetable bars that are wrapped in edible paper. Yes, you heard me right. Edible paper made from potato starch. And what that means for you is that you can get all the benefits that come with a fruit and veggie forward bar without the mess. Insert praise hands here. 
But seriously, I was really skeptical about these bars. I thought they were going to be another kind of sticky, gooey mess that my littlest ones had trouble chewing. They're not like that at all. The kids love them, but I love them too. Not only because they taste delicious, but they have simple, balanced ingredients that make for a great option for nutrition on the go. Click the link in the description box below and use code Alyssa10, that's A-L-Y-S-S-A, the number 10, for 10% off. And don't you dare get a pack without my absolute favorite flavor, purple sweet potato raspberry. Okay, now back to the show. I am obviously a big value person in food. I'm a dietitian. I love food. I know how important nutrition is. I don't want my kids to be picky. I want them to be adventurous eaters. This is all a value to me. It doesn't have to be a value to you, but if it's a value to you, that means, okay, then we get to build some of our life around our food, right? Uh, One of our other big values is that we leave the house. (laughs) We go do different things with the kids. And so what that means is sometimes we have more packaged snacks than I would prefer. I would love if we always had homemade, beautiful snacks at home that take time to uh, put together, but that's not true because we're on the go, right? So I can't have both. Those are going to conflict and burn me out because I'm constantly going to be trying to do both. So it's really about saying, okay, what are some of the homemade snacks that last that are shelf stable that I can bring with me? Like we do a homemade granola. Uh, it's great to, to bring on the go, but also know that I'm also probably going to have some packaged snacks along the way as well. Right? So it's just kind of all about that, uh, give and take, if you will. Uh, another important thing to manage the mental load is to ask for help. And I don't just mean your partner, although hands down, that is the first person we should be asking if you have one to support you, letting them know, A, verbalize this mental load, share with them how they can help, maybe create some sort of system where you guys have on and off days, or maybe there is a little bit of meal prep that they do and you are more like in the moment cooker, whatever it might be, but finding a way that they can actually help and support is incredible. Giving yourself breaks, adding in a takeout night, maybe having the same meal Every Monday, every Monday we know it's pasta or whatever it is, knowing that there's already some sort of boundary or plan in place helps so much. When I started bringing in leftover night, takeout night and pizza night into my rotation, everything got easier because that's already three nights a week that it's already decided. It is already decided that we're doing pizza Friday. It is already decided that we do leftovers on Thursday. It is already decided that we eat out on Saturday nights typically, right? And so already three out of the four nights are planned before I even get started on planning. That's incredible. And if you just try to follow the plan perfectly, you're going to get to a place of burnout, of feeling uninspired, right? Exhausted, like you're in some sort of a rut. So it's so important to have flexibility, uh, accurate uh, expectations for how you're actually going to do this in your life and know that it's okay if it's not going to plan all the time. Because in reality, when you're not meal planning, when you're not making a plan and uh, trying to relieve some of that mental load, you're going to burn out. Like I said, this is a lot, a lot, a lot of work. So I hope this was a little bit helpful. I hope this kind of gave some verbiage for you to maybe talk to your partner about it. Uh, Maybe you're asking for help from a local restaurant or from grandparents or even from a friend. I will never forget hearing on a podcast, actually, I believe, a family who talked about they did meal shares with a family where they would cook one week and the the other family would cook another week. And they would just make enough double portions. And every night that week, they would just share. 
they would just share. So for an entire week, they weren't cooking. And then an entire week they were cooking, which was normal for them and feeding their family. They just cooked a double batch that they shared with another family. Freaking genius, you guys. This is genius. You can even just do that one night a week. Maybe it's Sundays for you that you double up and share with a friend and then they do every other Sunday. So you have just some sort of break. So it's really just about starting small, finding a rhythm and finding what are the values and priorities in your family. And then how can you achieve those values and priorities in your family through food? right? And and sometimes that means we can't hold on to two things at once. And I know that can feel really um, exhausting and really kind of scary sometimes too. But in reality, that's what's going to lead us to making decisions that honor our most important parts of our family. With that being said, I also want to tell you that if you haven't heard of Picky Plates yet, I highly recommend you check the link in the description box below. If you are like, this is way too much, I hate planning meals, I hate deciding what to cook, I hate making grocery lists, I hate figuring it all out, and on top of that, maybe you already have a picky eater or a handful of picky eaters at home and you feel like all the time and energy that you do spend planning, prepping, buying, cooking is wasted because your picky eater won't even eat what you make anyway, so why not just make grilled cheese until they're 18 and move out? then Picky Plates is for you. So if you guys haven't heard of Picky Plates yet, it is a meal planning service where we essentially tell you exactly what to make every night of the week, five days a week for dinner. But not only that, of course, we give you the recipes. We keep them super simple. A lot of people were asking about how hard the recipes are. This, we kind of anticipate that people are relatively beginners in the kitchen, like don't love being in there, but at the same time, uh, really delicious meals with great ingredients. So very easy meals, less than 30 minutes of hands-on work, give you the grocery list, all those sorts of things. But on top of all that, it's not just about what's for dinner. We tell you exactly how to serve it to your picky eaters to make it more exciting for them to actually eat. So it's not just, hey, I hope you eat this. We throw up a a hope and a prayer. It's actually gives you a strategy to use with each individual recipe for the week, which is killer. And I've gotten so many people with DMs already after just one week of picky plates being out in the world of how helpful those tips are because it feels like your work is not fruitless. You're not just cooking and planning and prepping and grocery shopping and doing all these things for this food to end up in the trash or just to be put in front of them while you stare at it and hope that they eat it. There's actually a strategy in place to help them get them to eat it. So it's not just about putting it on the plate. Uh, It's also about getting it into their stomachs as well. So that is what Picky Plates is all about. If you want to learn more about it, how you can become a founding member um, and lock in your price today, you can click the link in the description box to learn more about it and see if it's a good fit for your family. There's no commitment. You can cancel at any time, uh, but we are super excited to bring that to you and your family and hopefully simplify some of these heavier mental load situations around feeding our families. Uh, When you become a Picky Plates member, you also get access to our breakfast rotations. You get 10 in 10 minutes or less breakfast ideas for your family, plus lunches too, a packed lunch playbook that teaches you exactly how to pack a lunch that's healthy and balanced and gives you a ton of ideas. And of course, that's for packed or being at home. So we are super excited about that. And there's a meal prepping course as well to make meal prepping easy and work for your family. 
And on top of all that, we sprinkle in some other goodies and helpful hints and recipes and ideas uh, through our emails as well. So if you want to check that out, again, click the link in the description box. But I hope this episode was helpful for you either way, recognizing what the mental load is, how it's affecting you, if it's affecting you, and some tips and strategies to alleviate that for you. And I will see you here next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at Alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.